0: The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it were held guilty. Disaster came upon them, says the Lord. They did not say, Where is the Lord, who brought us from the land of Egypt? Who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through, where no one lives? I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of the living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen.
1: As we come this morning to a time of children's message, I hope you heard in the scripture and throughout the service talk about water. and fountains and bubbling, and then also really dry as well, right? Both of those things. Today, I brought with me a little fountain up here, a fountain that, y'all know how these work, right? The water is continuously recircling. I'm I'm not adding any new water. I didn't hook up a new water line, building in property, I promise. Only the water that's here is what's filling it. We're told that God's wisdom is like a fountain, constantly bubbling, constantly flowing. If this is true, we need to get ourselves close to the fountain. We need to get ourselves close to the source of the water. Today, I want to invite you that if we understand that God's wisdom is always bubbling, always present for us, may you and I draw ourselves near to the source of God's wisdom. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you For your wisdom, help us to draw near to you. Amen. About a half an hour from where we are right now, higher up, into the elevation are streams that run right through the rock. You're going to be real familiar real quick. One of the most familiar is the headwaters of the Bushkill Creek. And as they move towards the Delaware, you might have been yourselves to Bushkill Falls. Anybody been to Bushkill? Yeah, I thought it might be familiar. Twelve hundred. Feet above sea level, the stream drops a 100-foot cliff with the main falls. And if you've been there, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The views are incredible. Nearby is the Bridal Veil Falls, named for that kind of misty appearance that those three falls have. And from the top of the main to the lower gorge, the drop is 300 feet. This is significant that the water is going. Steve and I visited there for the first time on our fifth wedding anniversary just a few sweet years ago. And you could watch that water renewing for hours and hours. I think we just stood there for a while the first time that we saw it. When God called the people of Israel back to God's self, It is no surprise that the prophets used this image of water. The prophet Jeremiah was tasked to deliver a message that the people of Israel were not interested in hearing. That's a hard job that he had. They were quite content where they were and what they were doing at the time. The people had found comfort in gods other than the God of Israel. As the Babylonians were kind of setting up around them, they learned about the Asherahs and the Baals, and they depended on these fertility gods for children, and so that their crops would grow, the land would be plentiful. This was their understanding. In fact, later in the book of Jeremiah, the people disliked so much what Jeremiah said that they put him at the bottom of the well, Think about the irony of a person who talks about flowing water being thrown in the bottom of a well. Jeremiah says, you heard Jenny say it, there are two ways that people have missed the mark, two sins, he says. First, they're not paying attention to God, the living water. And second, they make their own way, since they're not paying attention to God, with these broken cisterns. Let me tell you what those are. Those are human dug wells and they're meant to hold water, particularly in the dry times. It makes good sense. This was needed for feeding the water. Or feeding the water, sure it was. Feeding the animals <laughs> for cooking, for caring for people. The broken or the cracked cistern would mean that the water would just seep right back into the water table Y'all know how that works. And then they wouldn't be able to draw from it. In fact, a cracked cistern led to the physical death of animals or of people. A cracked cistern of the soul leads to spiritual stagnation, spiritual dehydration, and ultimately disconnection from God. God, who is the source of all living water, Jeremiah reminds the Israelites, It's the same language that Jesus used with the Samaritan woman, right? I am the living water. The tallest fountain in the world is in Dubai. It uses salt water from the Red Sea, and it can get as high as 835 feet. Can you imagine this? I can't either. I've only seen pictures. It was built in 1985, and it's illuminated by lights of all sorts so that you can really see all 835 feet. How do fountains do this, right? How do they reuse and recycle their water? The engineers among us would tell us that's the work of the the pump system. It's the unseen heart of the fountain. Submerged under the reservoir it draws water into the housing and there's an impeller That's spun by electricity Focusing on putting out and the hose then recirculates the water until it emerges again Without the pump we just have a pond. We would just have kind of a, a body of water Fountains of God's living water is what moves when you and I study God's word. Spending time in the living word by reading the Bible is like the very pump of a fountain. That's what keeps the living water circulating. Fountains reuse the water they begin with. Y'all could tell me they also get precipitation from the rain and the snow as well, but primarily. And every good plumber will tell you that the best way to fix a leak is to find the source. What is it that's causing trouble? Spiritually speaking, most of us kind of know where our leaks are. We kind of know what it is that causes us the trouble, but we've not been successful always in repairing those leaks. So today I want to ask us, are we spending time in the living word by reading the Bible? Some of us are re-readers and re-watchers. We have favorite television shows or favorite books or favorite movies. And we could watch them over and over again. When Christmas comes, we know exactly which movies we're going to watch. Or we know what books we want to pull out for some comfort or inspiration. Some of us read something once or see it once and, we're done with it. It's in the past. Just kind of move that right along. The likelihood of us re-watching it or rereading it is so low. We already know when the action rises and what the surprises are along the way. For the Bible, our experience of reading the scriptures is a little different. Why would you read the same scripture over again? I want to share a couple of reasons with you. One is it's important to be God-focused every single day. Reading scripture shapes our minds. Do you remember the song? Maybe some of you know it. Woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on Jesus, right? And later, verses say, can't hate my neighbor, in my mind, stayed on Jesus. The letter of Paul says it this way, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you've learned from me, Paul says, put that into practice. Second, the Bible is the living word. That means that God continues to speak through the scriptures. Every time we read them, something new may ring for you. Let me give you an example If you are reading the story of the nativity of Jesus, we tell it every Christmas, right? As a young child, you might see the birth of Jesus is magical and amazing. Your parents might tell you the story as you look at the nativity or at the creche. As a teenager, it might hit you that the age of Mary is like you and like your friends. And you might think about people you know who've been pregnant. If you're struggling with fertility, the story of Mary meeting Elizabeth and not being able to have children and now expecting in later years might give you a sense of hope. As a young parent, you might hear the pure exhaustion of parents after birth when the shepherds and the magi come to visit You might be moved by Joseph in protective ways to care well for his family by taking them to Egypt. If you're a parent of teenagers, you might just notice how young Mary is, and you might feel that in a certain kind of way. If you're a grandparent, you might resonate with the presence of Anna and of Simeon, who waited patiently for the birth of a little one, and then celebrated, and then grandparents left. That was the family's thing to take care of. As a working person, you might hear the shepherds. They were interrupted at work. Jesus showed up to them even at when they were at work. If you're someone filled with curiosity, you might notice that the Magi discovered a, sco- a star And they traveled long without a full plan, not exactly knowing where they were going. Let's try, okay, there we go. And the third one, I can remember the first time I heard give God more to work with. It didn't initially make sense to me. I surmised when I first heard it that if God is the God of all, God can act in any way that God pleases. God doesn't need me to do or know something. But over time, I've learned that for God to remind you of something, you need to learn it in the first place. If you pray to have the right words to speak in a courageous conversation, the Holy Spirit can bring to mind things you studied weeks ago in your devotions. If you've not spent time in the Word of God it's harder to call to mind. If you pray to share a testimony or a witness with someone, but aren't in the word, you might still share a testimony, but you won't be reminded of your readings or repeat that which you've known personally. So give God more to work with. As you read the Bible for the first time or read it again and again, and again. God is with us, and the Holy Spirit moves. The Bible's the only book in which the author is always present when we read it. The writer of Proverbs, having seen those natural fountains and humid-made fountains, said that God's wisdom is like that fountain, always flowing. In fact, the writer of Proverbs suggests wisdom is like a gushing stream. I kind of get the image in my mind of the fire hose. If you ever been in front of a fire hose, it's too much to absorb at any one time. We need to let the water recycle to come back again so we can glimpse God's wisdom another time. The Trevi fountain in Rome was originally the intersection of Roman aqueducts, those are the things that supply the water, right, to Rome. Today it's on a sightseer's checklist as they want to have luck. You could throw a coin right into the fountain. But it reminds me that as we return to the living word, as we seek God's wisdom, we are looking for wisdom that gushes forth like a fountain. So draw near, friends. Get into the living word. Let us seek God's wisdom that is always flowing and always available. This, my friends, is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.